Please have that text open in front of you in Luke 22. And really, we're going to be looking at a number of the verses throughout that passage. But I want to begin really by asking you a question this morning. And it's a question for those who are true believers. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you need to trust in Jesus Christ and you need to be saved. And uh, we would urge you and pray that you would do. But if you are a believer this morning, I want you to think about this and to answer it honestly to yourself. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've loved Jesus Christ more than you love him now? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've loved the Lord Jesus more than you love him now? You know, if there was, then you and I are in need of stirring and challenging and refreshing and renewing. Because, friends, we've said it very often, and it's true, we are never static in our Christian lives. We are either growing closer to the Lord or we are drifting away from him. And when we're not growing in our Lord and Savior, we are sliding in the wrong direction. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't love the Lord as much as you did. Maybe you've become cold or indifferent. How many of you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life as a bright living reality? Or does he seem somewhat far off or someone that you think about just only on occasion? Do you delight in him? Do you have that that spirit of communion and prayer with him? How many of you, how many including myself, have allowed sin to gain an increasing hold over your heart and life? Maybe you've drifted away from serving the Lord. Maybe you're prioritizing other things, engaging in things that you know are not a help to you in your walk with Jesus. And maybe you wouldn't have contemplated them years ago. Maybe you go about your days with no thought of the Lord, no time for prayer or to be before him or quiet before God. Those things are just not a priority anymore. You know, if you can identify with with any of that, then you need that renewing and that reviving. Friend, I would say that gospel churches as a whole need a renewing and an awakening generally. And what we see here with this uh, example of Peter, with Peter's experiences, we see failure and restoration. If you look at verses 31 to 34, we see the Lord Jesus tells Peter what is about to take place. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. See, Peter is going to fail miserably. And yet, despite that failure, the Lord was not done with Peter. There would be repentance and there would be restoration. There would be for Peter the dawning of a new day. And God is merciful. God forgives the broken and the contrite. God restores. God renews and revives. And friend, I long for that renewing in my own heart. And I long it for you too. Peter would fall badly. He would curse and swear in front of a young girl. He would openly deny Jesus Christ. And many would say, well, we are through with him. We are through with someone like him. 
And yet Peter did those things, but God was not finished with him. God's purposes of grace were not thwarted, and thank God he is not through with us either. You know, wherever you may be spiritually this morning, no matter how badly you may think you have stumbled, God is not finished with you. Failure does not need to be final. And God is able to take hold of you and to change you and to restore you and to renew the joy of salvation in your heart. But the question is, how did Simon Peter get into this difficulty? How did he descend into this trouble? Now, the Lord Jesus had been telling the disciples that he was going to the cross. And we read in that passage that Peter began to boast and say, Lord, I will go with you. I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. I'll be there, Lord. But Jesus says, no, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you're going to deny me three times. And no doubt Peter thought, well, there's no way I will never do that. But he did. Why? Well, let me give you some things to consider. I would say this, that Peter was arguing instead of listening. He was arguing instead of listening. You know, Jesus had taught the disciples again and again concerning his coming crucifixion, his death, but Peter would not accept it. He would not believe the word of God even as it fell from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 16, we read this. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, Peter was arguing instead of listening and submitting. Friends, are there times when sometimes you bring the word of God and you want to submit it to your own understanding rather than you submitting to the word? Rather than believing what is there before you, you put your, your own interpretation upon things so that it fits better with what you want it to say. Your own spin, twisting to fit what you want it to say rather than what the word actually says. You see, Peter was arguing instead of listening. Also, Peter was boasting instead of depending. You know, he says, doesn't he, Lord, I'll go with you. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm going to go to death. And Jesus says, no. Peter was naturally bold. He was confident. He was on the front foot. He was courageous. In Matthew 14, Peter had been the one to get out of the boat, to walk on water. In John 18, Peter drew a sword and struck a man called Malchus. We'll come back to that. In John 21, it was Peter who would jump out of the boat when Jesus was there on the shore after the resurrection. But here, Peter is boasting instead of depending. Friends, this is such an important lesson. Do you know, most people do not fall at the point of their weakness, but at the point of their strength. Peter was a man boasting and looking to his own strength. He said, Lord, I'll be with you. I'm courageous, Lord. I'm going to go to prison for you. I'll go to death for you. You know, you read through the Scriptures, 
And you'll find that those saints who failed did so at the point of their strength, not their weakness. Let me give you some examples. Think of Abraham. What was the strength of Abraham? Well, he was known as a man of faith. And where did he fail? At the point of his faith, where he should have trusted the Lord in Genesis 12, when he lies about Sarah. There's a whole issue with Hagar and not trusting God's promise. He fell at the point of his strength. Or you think of Moses. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man who ever lived. And in that sense, it was his strength. But what was his failure? Moses, the meekest man who ever lived, would murder a man in anger. Or what about David? What was the strength of David? The man after God's own heart. David was known for his integrity and his loyalty. And yet David fell at the point of his integrity. And he committed adultery with Bathsheba before then sending Uriah to his death. You know, there may be some here this morning and your students of the Bible maybe you attend faithfully, but ultimately you are depending on yourself. You are looking to yourself, your own ability. And maybe you have that confidence in your Christian life and you look at others and rather than seeing your need to humble yourself before the Lord. You see, Peter was boasting instead of depending. And then Peter was sleeping instead of praying. See that in verses 44 to 46 of the passage that we read. The Lord Jesus, being in agony, prayed more earnestly his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow, and he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, the Lord knows we need rest. But there's a time for rest and a time when there is a need for alertness. There are times, friends, when we choose other pleasures before the Lord Jesus. Times when we choose ease in this life rather than devotion to him. And here is Peter asleep whilst Jesus is praying earnestly. Let me ask you this morning, are you asleep? Are you asleep spiritually? Do the things that grieve the Lord Jesus grieve your heart? Or are you indifferent? Jesus taught us to pray every morning, not only for daily bread, but for daily protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are to pray for keeping, for protection, for grace. And so Peter, he was asleep instead of praying. And also Peter was fighting rather than loving. You know, Peter had said he was ready to go with the Lord to prison, even to death. But Peter failed at his strongest point. He was fighting. But notice the following. He had the wrong enemy. Look at verse 50 of Luke 22. One of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. That one was Simon Peter. And you know, he was good at catching fish. He wasn't so good with a sword. You see, he wasn't aiming for his ear. He wanted to inflict a fatal blow. But he had the wrong enemy. And we see uh, elsewhere that Malchus, servant of the high priest, slave, he was there to do as he was told, bound and made to do. And Ephesians 6.12 is so important. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The enemy loves to get flesh fighting flesh. 
But our fight is not against flesh and blood. But Simon Peter, he was fighting in the flesh. He was fighting the wrong enemy. And also he had the wrong weapon. He grabbed a sword. Jesus said in John 18, 11, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? And so our battle is against the, the powers of darkness, the spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. And the power and the provision, the grace of God is what we need. And Peter forgot that. 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And what are our weapons? They are faith and prayer and surrender and obedience and commitment to the word. The devil cannot stand against those things. But Peter was using the wrong weapon. And he had the wrong energy. Peter had been asleep and now he was awake. And he sees the enemy and now he's up for the fight. He'd not been praying and so he wakes in the energy of the flesh. And in his proud flesh, he steps in and tries to defend Jesus when Jesus wanted to defend him. You see, he's full of zeal, but it's misguided zeal. And he'd already lost out in prayer before he attacked this man. He tried to do something physically, but spiritually, he was lacking. One preacher says the cause of Jesus Christ has been hurt more in the house of his friends than in the house of his enemies. You see, he had the wrong energy. He was going about things in the wrong way and he had the wrong attitude. He was angry. James 1 verse 20, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, he was consumed by his anger. And Peter was so sure that he would not fail. He boasted, but he did fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Friends, ask yourself this morning, as I ask my own heart, are any of these things present in your life? Are you arguing instead of listening? Are you proud instead of being dependent? Are you asleep spiritually when you should be alert and realizing that you are in this spiritual battle? Are you fighting, not loving? Do you know why we don't pray? Pride. If we truly understood our utter dependence upon the Lord, that we couldn't make it without his sustaining hand and grace, we would be so much more in prayer. But often our prayerlessness is an indication of the pride that says we can handle this. We can handle life. We can handle day by day. We can serve in our own strength. We can look to our own resources. And so we may pay lip service to the Lord, but not really seek him. And because of that, we eventually fall flat. And that's what happened to Peter, and he falls. And then what lessons can we learn after that as we see that he makes this descent? And as that rooster crowed, confirming his failure and his stumbling, there are a number of lessons that Peter needed to learn, and so do we. And when we do learn them, it can be a new dawn for us as we walk on with the Lord Jesus. You see, our God is a holy God. But he's also a God of great grace and mercy and patience and restoration. And we see this wonderful grace extended to Peter here. And we need to see these lessons. And I just pray that they would be etched upon our minds and hearts. 
I want you to see that Jesus is Lord and that he is in control. You know, Simon Peter, he's accused of being a follower of Jesus. Listen to how it comes about, verses 56 to 60. This certain servant girl sees him as he's by the fire, looks right at him and says, this man was with him. And he says, whoa, no, I don't know him. Then another one comes along and said, you also were with him. And he says, man, that is not the case. I am not. Then an hour later, another comes by confidently saying, surely, surely this man was with him. He's a Galilean. And Peter says, man, I don't know what you're saying. Then immediately, whilst he was still speaking, the rooster crowed three times. And as he was still speaking, that third and final time, the rooster begins to crow. Do you know, dear friends, that is a miracle. It is a miracle. Of all the roosters in Jerusalem, not one crowed until exactly the right moment. Have you ever thought about that? The precise moment. And then the rooster crows just as Jesus said. The lesson, Jesus is sovereign and he is in control. He has complete dominion. His word was true. His word could be trusted. Every detail is in his hand. Think of Psalm 8. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Did Jesus have dominion over the sheep, the oxen, the beasts of the field? Absolutely he did. For example, he rode a, a wild Syrian donkey into Jerusalem on what is called Palm Sunday, one that had never been ridden before. And he did it without trouble. The fish of the sea, do you remember the time that he commanded the fish to stay away from Peter's nets all night until he gave the word for the fish to be caught? Luke 5. Or when he said to Peter in Matthew 17, go down to the shore, get a fish, and it will have a coin so that we can pay the taxes. And so it happened. What about the birds? At the precise moment, the rooster crowed. It is sobering and it is stunning. Simon Peter, he'd been discouraged. He'd been thinking that things were, were getting out of hand. He couldn't understand. And his discouragement had led to doubt. And he'd not been listening to the Lord with a submissive heart. He'd not been praying. It all seemed to be unraveling. And then Jesus is arrested. He's taken away. He's beaten. He's abused. He's facing death. This was the Messiah. How could he be Lord? Why doesn't he do something? And doubt led to discouragement. And this led to denial. Do you know, some of you today have been through times of serious doubts. Maybe you're in the middle of a time like that right now. Maybe you've prayed when someone was ill and nothing happened. Maybe you prayed for a partner and you're still without one. Maybe you have unbelieving family and they seem further away from the Lord than ever. Maybe you prayed, Lord, please mend my broken home and it's still broken. It's not the way it was meant to be. And that doubt begins to lead to discouragement, which then leads to further problems. And Peter and you, 
need to understand that although he couldn't understand why things were happening as they were that day, why Jesus was being abused and mistreated as the rooster crowed, it demonstrated the Lord was in control. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't need to know what has happened in your life or how much sorrow you've faced, how many seemingly unanswered prayers you may have. God is still in control. And whether you recognize it or not, he is. And we need to believe it. And Simon Peter lost sight of that. And that was one of the reasons that he denied the Lord. Jesus is in control. And even though things might not make sense to you right now, it doesn't mean that they don't make sense. Even though you may not see God working, it does not mean that he is not working. He is. The Lord is in control. And we grow closer to him when we trust him. When we believe him and take him at his word. You see, Jesus is in control. And also, I want you to see too this lesson that Jesus is a sympathetic saviour and he's full of compassion. You know, Satan was intending to sift Peter like wheat. And in that trial, Jesus would never stop loving Peter. You know those words of verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know, here is the Lord Jesus. He's in unspeakable agony on the way to the cross. And yet he takes time here to give a look of injured love to a backslidden disciple. You see, Jesus never stopped loving Simon Peter and the sympathy and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, believer, as one explains, God does not change us so that he can love us, but God loves us so that he can change us. And maybe, believer, you have drifted far away. You would be ashamed if people knew your heart and the things that you have done Maybe you wonder why you're even here this morning, but he has purpose for you to be here. And he loves you. And he loves you too much to let you stay in the way you are. You see, Jesus is a sympathetic savior and he's full of compassion. And also Jesus is steadfastly committed to his people. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He remembered the word of the Lord. And what was that word? Back up earlier in the passage, verses 31 to 32. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You see, the Lord Jesus had made a steadfast commitment to Simon Peter. And it's the same for all his people. You know, he will see them through. He will never leave them. He will never let them go. Now, the amount of discipline that you face along the way is up to you, but you belong to him. He has bought you with his own blood. He will not let you go. And Satan asks for Peter to ruin him, to destroy his faith. But Satan cannot hurt us any more than God permits. Satan is always on a leash. 
And it's interesting that Peter means rock, but Simon means unstable. And that's the name Jesus uses here. Satan wants to cause the faith of the rock to turn to sand. Satan wants to shake you, to throw you around, so that you become so bruised and battered that you let go of your faith. Why do you sift wheat? You do it to get the impurities out, the sticks and the stones and all the rest. Why does Satan want to do it? Satan wants to get those sticks and stones, those sins in our lives, so that he can accuse us and make us doubt and dread. Why does Jesus allow it? So he can cleanse us. He wants those sticks and those stones out of our lives because he wants us to be pure. Satan comes to sift us, to accuse and ruin us, but God permits the sifting that he might cleanse us and make us like his son. And when you go through troubles, you need to understand the difference between satanic accusation and Holy Spirit conviction. Satan wants to find the sin in your life, the sticks and stones, to point them out, to accuse you, to beat you with them. And what is the result of accusation? Accusation is despondency and fear and concern and moroseness. What is the result of conviction? It is repentance and cleansing and renewing and looking again to the Lord Jesus. Don't let the devil condemn you when the Lord Jesus wants to cleanse you by convicting you. And Jesus prayed for Simon Peter. He was not finished with Simon Peter. He said, Satan has desired you, but I have prayed for you. That's a wonderful thing. And it's true for you this morning if you're a believer. Jesus prays for your faith. God is always stronger than Satan. By faith in him, we can avoid Satan's destruction and gain a crown of life. But God's word of consolation and hope goes even further. We need for our daily struggles some encouragement that in the times of suffering and weakness that we won't just abandon the faith. We need some reassurance that the ups and downs of our faith will not end someday in just a permanent down. They will just fall utterly. Well, Jesus gives us that encouragement and he says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. It is so encouraging to know that God is infinitely stronger than Satan and that if we trust him, not only will he give us life, but he sustains us and he keeps us. It is doubly encouraging that Jesus Christ and God the Father, the Holy Spirit, they don't stand back and watch to see if you're going to make it. In fact, I am sure that if the Holy Trinity were not busy every moment, day and night, strengthening my faith, sustaining me, I would be done in a minute. And Jesus prays to his Father for Simon. He asks God to do what needs to be done to preserve Simon Peter from destruction. And friend, even this morning, he knows what you need to be sustained at this very moment. Because he knows you and he loves you. And there is a Savior today in the glory praying for you. And he wants you to be close to him. And to know more of him. And the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. 
And if, like Simon Peter, you failed, maybe not as dramatically, but you know that you failed, you need to know that God is a God of fresh beginnings. And when that rooster crowed, it would be the beginning of a new restoration for Simon Peter. He was convicted, he would repent, the Lord would deal with him. And today can be the same for you. And I trust that you will, no matter all of the heartaches and the tears, know that the Lord is still in control. No matter how you failed, know that he is still a savior full of compassion. To know that no matter your disobedience, he will not leave you, he will deal with you. His commitment is to you to bring you through. And he calls the wanderer back. And he will see you through. And friend, if you are here this morning and you don't know this Savior, who is in control, who is full of compassion, who is committed to save sinners, the wonderful news is this, you can know him. The Lord Jesus Christ is able to save even you. If you turn from your sin and rebellion, call on his name and trust him, trust his death upon the cross and his glorious resurrection. If you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in him and trust in him and rest in him and turn from your sin, your sin can be forgiven. And through his saving work on the cross, you can be washed and cleansed and pardoned and at peace with God. And you will be given a new nature, new power to pursue God and know God and walk with God and to battle against all the ongoing snares of sin and the enemy and have an everlasting hope set on a path to glory. It's a wonderful gospel because not only does Jesus save, but he keeps. And so, dear friend, this morning, if you are on that descent, like Simon Peter, heed the warning, come back to the Lord, and realize that in the Lord Jesus, there is one who is able to turn you around, who won't let you go, who will see you through, and ultimately will keep you until you are with him forever. There is hope this morning in Christ, outside Christ there is no hope. And may it be that we are those who love him, who stay near to him, and who are not ashamed of him, but own his name and declare it in fullness. Amen. Amen.